It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Wednesday episode of Locked On Raptors, we conclude our player review series with a deep dive into the back end of Toronto Raptors bench. We're going to talk about Yuta Watanabe, who's a pretty interesting pending free agent. We've got Svi Mihailuk as well, a signing that didn't quite work out the way it seemed like it might back in the preseason, and Delano Banton on tap as well, the guy who probably has the most importance among this trio to the Raptors going forward. We'll get into all of that with today's guest, Vivek Jacob from Raptors.com on uh, thanks for being here. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. going on welcome to episode number 1180 of locked on raptors for <laughs> why did i go darts i don't know but shout out to darts in the afternoon on television i am your host sean woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. you can find me on twitter as always at woodley sean you can find the show at locked on raptors and you can follow subscribe to rate review the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and all the notable audio apps and the less notable ones as well we're everywhere baby you can also go to YouTube and subscribe over there. We're 22 subs away from 2,000. So please go and jump on in there and uh, support the show. It's it's a free thing to do. You just sign up to YouTube, subscribe to the channel, and then there you go. Bob's your uncle, and I appreciate you for the rest of time. It's a pretty easy transaction. So thank you in advance for doing that. And thank you, as always, for making us your first listen of the day. All right, on today's show, we are rounding out our player review series with the final three notable players, I would say, on the Raptors roster to dig into from this season look we could talk about isaac bonga for 30 minutes it's not gonna happen i have no takes on isaac bonga i don't even know it's never been like everyone in the team pronounces his name the wrong way or differently i don't have takes on him for a whole segment so that's fine we're gonna talk today about delano banton yuta watanabe and svi mahailuk all of whom uh, could be back next season. Maybe a couple of them aren't. We'll get into that on today's show with, of course, Vivek Jacob from Raptors.com, who's probably already annoyed by me because I've been shot out of a cannon today, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> no, I enjoyed that Extremely Darts intro. Excellent. Um, we all have our, you know, summer vices. And if it's our afternoon darts for you, then so be it. Yeah, it's not often you get the 180 in the title of the show, too, right? Like, it, it's very rare you, know. you get the opportunity. <laughs> you got to take it. You got to take that yeah. chance, for sure. So, yeah. yeah, excited to get into the bottom end of this roster. Yes, uh, the bottom end, indeed, and uh, Locked On Darts coming to the Lockdown Podcast Network someday soon. We're going to talk all about 
Oh god, I don't even remember all the guys' names. The dude with the dragon hair. Uh, we'll talk about him. You probably, if you know darts, you know who I'm talking about. If not, you're like Sean. Shut up. Talk about the Raptors, and we'll do that right now. Uh, so we're gonna <laughs> dig into Yuta Watanabe and Svima Hailuk in the second and third seconds. But we should start, I think, with a guy whose I think season highlight came in the first game of the season. A guy who was very exciting in the first couple weeks there, as the league was just like, "What the hell is going on? Who is this fast, tall guy?" Uh, and then kind of got figured out as the season went along and spent a lot of the back part of the season in the G League playing for Raptors 905, where we'll get to it. He put up some crazy-ass numbers. Uh, so Delano Banton, he was, of course, a second-round pick, one of the two Raptors second-round picks this season, and he got the full roster spot and everything in between. And, you know, again, kind of a hot start sort of petered out as the season went along. I guess, do you have like a big grand takeaway from Delano Banton's rookie season, Vivek? I mean, he, he played, let's just pull up the numbers here just to give a refresher. He played in 64 games, which actually stuns me. Like, I can't believe he played in that many games. There were some garbage times in there and stuff like that, bit minutes, things like that. But 3.2 points a game, 1.9 boards, 1.5 assists, uh, you know, shot 46% on twos. He was 25% from downtown. We'll get to his G league numbers in a second here but overall takeaways on Banton's rookie season where he got into a lot of games and I don't think made a ton of impact after that first few weeks yeah it really was about the first few weeks and then once teams knew what he was about and yeah. said hey we gotta just slow this guy down and make sure he's uh you know not able to push the ball uh, off rebounds make sure uh you know he's uh not attacking downhill then it life becomes pretty difficult for him. So I think uh, operating in a half court set is where Delano has to learn to improve. Um, mm -hmm. I think towards the end of the season, when he got a few opportunities here and there, he was at least trying to be a different type of player in the half court. I think we saw a little bit of it in that Nuggets game where it mm -hmm. was like, hey, okay, I'm just going to crash the offensive glass and cut at opportune times and try and be a factor that way. Um, and then, you know, uh, on some level, he's got to be a threat at the three-point line. Kind of he can go down the yeah. list uh, on this roster and say that. But, you know, if, if he can do that where it's like, okay, he's presentable enough as a threat, now the opponent is going to close out harder. Now you get that opportunity to attack the closeout. And then once you're getting into that downhill motion, uh, you see his strengths come out. Right. And mm -hmm. so uh, in the G league, yeah, he's going to be able to dictate the pace and just constantly get up and down the floor um, and put up the numbers that he put up. But I think at the NBA level, uh, he's not going to be able to be a one trick pony. Yeah, and I would say that I don't know if I envision him as like a regular on-ball guy for the Raptors, honestly. Like he feels like maybe where his bread's going to be buttered is as like a cutter, and maybe he becomes like a reasonable catch-and-shoot guy at some point. You know, there's no data to suggest that's happening anytime soon, and so it's hard to get too excited. He was 25% on six attempts in the G League this season from three, uh, and again, 25.5% on not, not a crazy volume this season for the Raptors, just 51 total attempts. Um, so there's not really like 
like a, an obvious sort of pathway to being a good shooter for him, which is a problem, of course. But that said, I do think on defense, he kind of checks a lot of the boxes the Raptors are looking for. Um, and so, you know, if you're building up your sort of prototypical Raptors player, it often begins with the defense side of things first, and then they'll add layers to the offensive game as, as things go along. I'm really interested by this whole concept, Big V, the idea of sort of viewing every Raptors prospect through Raptors colored glasses and just assuming they're going to be a developmental success story. I talked about this yesterday with Malachi Flynn and that like maybe you just got to cut your losses and it's not going to happen for him within the Raptors development system and you don't do 100% of these correctly, right? With Banton, it's pretty tricky because the offensive limitations are so clear. And if he's not an on-ball guy, I think that's even a more difficult pathway for him to become a regular part of this team. Um, and there's just a lot of competition as for, for on-ball guys when it comes to Scotty Barnes, Pascal, Fred, etc. Like, I don't know if there's going to be a ton of opportunity for him to get a lot of on-ball reps with the Raptors even next season. Um, so I guess, like... <laughs> We saw that first start of the season, the, the half-court shot in, in the first game of the year is obviously incredible. He's got all the hype. He's, you know, 45 Express, all that stuff, the local boy that everyone loves and gets a big pop whenever he comes into a game. His profile is weird, though, man. And, and I don't know if I totally envision him becoming like a regular rotation piece with the Raptors. Maybe that's sacrilege to say. I have reasons for optimism as well, but I, I'm curious of the other side of things. Like, where are you at with sort of the um, Raptors development machine? It, it's been, you know, a couple years now since they've really churned out a big-time success story. Are we always a little bit too quick to jump to assume that these guys are just going to become amazing players because they play for the Raptors and will be developed as such? Yeah, it, it's definitely not, you know, they're not batting a thousand in it. And mm -hmm. I think the important thing is that it is a strength and it is something that they hit on more often than they don't. Sure. And uh, I think that's the main thing that I take away. And, uh, you know, I think when they look at players, it's sort of like, okay, what are core strengths that we can build with certain players? And then what are uh, sort of around the edge developments that we can make as well? Uh, mm -hmm. because the one thing I love about this franchise is they don't just look at the young guys and say, how, how, how can you get better? Right. It's sure. With the veterans, like I think Serge Ibaka is a prime example of how we saw that passing coming uh, along, uh, you know, when he gets it off the short roll, when he's finding that weak side, uh, corner shooter where initially when they were giving him that responsibility and he couldn't make the read and he was making terrible mistakes everyone was like why is he getting the opportunity to do this like just stop it <laughs> stop it stop it and and guess what the first couple months of this season everything with precious was like why is he getting the opportunity to do this stop it stop it stop it yeah. and and so i think along similar lines with the guys at the bottom end of the roster they'll go to the g league and they'll say okay go ahead this is you know something that you're gonna need at the nba level um so work on it here and get all the reps that you need. So I think with Delano Banton, the important thing to recognize with Vision 6-9 is that uh, I don't think all the 6-9 guys are the same. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Pascal Siakam fills one very important void uh, on the defensive end. There's not really anyone else that can play the role that he does. Uh, you look at Precious Achua, you can probably say OG Ananobi is the most similar because of the strength and the ability to, to defend those positions. But 
Scotty Barnes doesn't have the same ability that those two guys do, right? Sure. Like he can't defend guards the way those two can. Sure. Right. Um, Dad Young can defend a big more aptly than he can a guard, right? And so I think there are subtle differences within that vision six nine. And so if you're Delano Banton, it's like, hey, where do you fit in? If he gets switched on to a legitimate big, then he's got a problem, right? Yeah. And so I think he is someone maybe you look at, you know, uh, the bench mob year and you look at the way Pascal Siakam defended the perimeter and all of a sudden in a playoff series, they can throw him on John Wall. I think that is sort of the blueprint of what Delano Banton should look at and say, hey, maybe this is what I can be defensively. I have to say, we're working on a telekinetic bond here because my whole thing coming into this that I was just about to get to was, I think there's a world, as much as I may be skeptical of Banton just because of the limitations on offense, I think there's a world in which we see a big improvement from him this offseason and we start comparing it to Siakam's year one to year two leap, where in year one, he was this weird sort of Bambi character out there, just sort of wide-eyed and, wow, I guess I'm going to catch all these outlet passes from Kyle Lowry now and that's what I'm going to do until he became a G League guy and went and won the G League MVP and all that stuff. Following year, he was a really nice bench piece and was a huge part of that bench mob. I could totally see that being a slot that Banton can occupy next season. Obviously, there are some things that have to improve in terms of his like touch around the basket and whatnot. He did not shoot very well on twos in the NBA, but I, I think the way he shot on twos in the G League kind of gives me some hope. You know, 26 points, six boards, four assists, 1.3 steals in 31 minutes a game. He shot uh, 50% overall, 61% on twos this season for the 905. Like, if he can kind of translate a little bit of that into his game, even if he's not going to be a pull-up guy that you're worried about, there are still going to be ways that you can get him some looks, right? And I think kind of rim pressure, whether it's off-ball rim pressure, whether it's transition rim pressure, that feels like a thing because of his first step, which was sort of a coaching thing that came to fruition between summer league and the start of the season, you know, he's been able to take that stuff in and sort of adapt and apply feedback and, and bring it to his game. I could totally see a world in which he's a valuable bench piece next season, kind of, you know, alongside Justin Champagne fighting for minutes in whatever the second unit is going to look like. Although I'm very high on Justin Champagne. Uh, I think he's going to be very good anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's kind of the dream outlook for what he is next season. Maybe it takes some more seasoning in the G League because there is such a, a rawness to his offensive game, but he very clearly does a lot of the things the Raptors are excited about players doing, and I, I'm more than happy to continue watching this development track because while I don't think it's going to be a Pascal Siakam-like one over the course of multiple years because that's a once-in-a-lifetime type arc, I do think there's enough there to kind of mold and figure out. He might be a weirdo, bizarro sort of niche type of player but there's plenty of room for those types of guys in the nba uh we're going to continue uh, on just, here oh yeah go ahead one quick thing before yeah. people come at me in the mentions i want to say like i said scotty barnes can't defend the perimeter uh, yeah. i want to say he couldn't defend it his rookie season <laughs> i'm not saying he can't do it going forward yeah <laughs> and that, that that's all I'll, I'll say on that 
I'm going to edit that part out and just make people go crazy at you in the, in the mentions <laughs> uh, because we all deserve some YouTube vitriol once in a while. Uh, we're going to continue on here. We're going to talk about Yuta Watanabe, uh, who is a pending UFA and is a pretty interesting case for the Raptors. We'll get to that in just one second. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Athletic Greens, who for someone like me, who eats like a goblin and very rarely is getting the proper nutrients into my body, has been a wonderful addition to my daily routine. It's super easy to work into the routine. If you drink water in the morning, if you have a smoothie in the morning, you can just very easily get one scoop of their delicious AG1 formula and you are off and running with all of the 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens they have in there to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your recovery, focus, and aging, all of the things that matter AG1 covers because look, it's really difficult to go and get all the stuff that you might need into your body every day. We're complex beings. The chemistry, the biology, it's wild. And we need lots of different things to make sure all of our different systems are functioning functioning properly. And if you're not going with AG1, you're at risk of spending tons of money on supplements, on pills. You're going to hurt your stomach by taking that many pills and supplements. You don't want to go ahead and do that. You can do it all for about three bucks a day. It's a wonderful investment in your health by getting AG1. And it's uh, it's a very easy thing to work into your day-to-day routine routine. It's less than that cold brewed habit that's going to cost you. It's cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself. You're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance, and it's lifestyle friendly. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, no worries at all. Contains less than one gram of sugar as well per scoop. No GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good Go and check them out. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and, and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you got to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NBA network. That's athleticgreens.com slash NBA network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Go check them out. I highly recommend AG1. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we continue on here with your first listen of the day, digging now into the season that was for Utah Watanabe, who I thought was going to occupy a much bigger role within this team. When he first kind of checked back into the lineup, he was injured early on in the year. I think it was kind of late November. I seem to recall a Grizzlies game on the road where he made his debut. And, you know, from then on, for the next month or so, I thought he performed pretty capably. His defense is obviously right inside the zone that the Raptors are looking for. 6'9", switchable, can kind of guard anybody he wants. Uh, The offense, though, kind of let him down this season. He dropped off from 40% from three in 2020-21, down to 34% this season. Felt like every time he had a wide open three to kind of break the dam, it didn't quite fall down. 4.3 points, 2.4 boards, half an assist, a third of a steal, and a third of a block over the course of the season, and 11.7 minutes per game for Utah, a guy who, coming into the year, Vivek, I kind of expected to maybe be like the eighth man on the team, and at a time, I thought he very much looked like a regular part of the rotation that you could trust. Nick Nurse didn't seem to really trust it. He got COVID around the time when the Raptors all got COVID when he came back. 
He played like two rough games and then never really saw regular rotation time again. What were your overall thoughts on Yuta Watanabe's season, which started off with some promise, but ended up with him kind of being just a bench piece that never really saw action outside of garbage time? Yeah, I think that that is a surprise, right? Coming in, you, you looked at the wing depth and you could have envisioned a scenario where, especially early on with Pascal Siakam out, that you know he's going to slot in to uh, some backup minutes there uh, behind OG, take some of the load off, and it never really materialized. And one of the big things we expected coming in was not only just the minutes, but him being assertive in his role offensively. And that was if you had a criticism because you knew the defense was going to be there. If you had a criticism from last season, it was, hey, like, you don't have to be so polite on offense, right? Yeah. There's shots coming your way that you can take. Um, and especially with that Tampa roster, <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> you're you probably better off shooting than uh, getting the ball to some of the other guys on the team. So, uh, and he was saying all the right things coming in. He seemed geared up for what he probably anticipated for himself being a big season. Um, and, you know, there were the injuries, there were, uh, there was the COVID situation where, you know, he gets that opportunity in Cleveland, but even then, uh, you know, it was, he put up what, 25 or 26, but 26 on 11 of 20 shooting. I have it up right now. What did I get? Yeah. Minus 33. (laughs) Yeah. And, and so if that was the highlight, (laughs) then, uh, that kind of sums up the season because it was Mm -hmm. definitely a team low light. Um, and so I think, you know, depending on what, what, what happens in the off season, uh, if he is able to work himself back to what people anticipated coming into the season, then maybe there's room. Uh, but if not, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, he's going to recognize that, Hey, he needs to be a willing shooter and mm-hmm. you have to knock down shots. That was one thing. If you looked at sort of X factors for rotation minutes and you looked down the line, it's like, theoretically, Malachi Flynn can shoot the ball. Theoretically, yeah. Utah Watanabe can shoot the ball. And if those guys can make shots, then you're going to have to play them because yeah. this team does not have the requisite outside shooting <laughs> that you need to, you know, ha- actually have that as a means to winning a ball game. And so mm-hmm. uh, I think that's where they will probably be most disappointed in themselves where, you know, they have this tool in the toolbox that just never came out. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Like he, he had such an obvious pathway to regular minutes if he just hit his shots with the same regularity and sort of, I think, aggressiveness that he did in the back part of the Tampa season, right? We finally started to see him like looking for his own looks and coming off of screens. They were running stuff for him in some spots. And the whole, look, the whole back of the Tampa season, I talked about this yesterday, talking about Cam and Malachi. None of it's real. I don't think about it at all. It's like a, the John Ham, like Madman, I don't think about you at all, uh, sort of meme in the elevator. But you know, there were some moments there where it seemed like there was some promise. And again, I think at the start of the season, when he first kind of got some run upon returning, he looked like, you know, at a time where, you know, Chris Boucher had really yet to kind of kick into high gear, which he did kind of later in December, um, you know, b- before Precious Achua even had kind of figured it out. Like there was a second there. Where he looked like maybe like the best reserve on the team for like a hot minute there. And it just couldn't sustain. 
So I guess the question is, like, if you're the Raptors, do you bring him back next season? Like, he's 6'9", he fits the bill, he checks some boxes, but do you have to maybe prioritize more reliable shooting that has more proof of concept with that extra roster spot because, obviously, of the, you know, the, the limitations of the, the shooting that you have in the upper tier of the roster, as good as those guys are, they need some complementary support, um, and is Utah maybe a casualty of that need? Yeah, I think that comes down to what you do with that mid-level yeah right? and how you use that money are you chasing a guy like a bobby portis um if say you were to theoretically get him i think the bucks will probably value him enough to bring him back and uh, try to avoid the mistake that they made with pj tucker um mm-hmm. i think if you were to theoretically get a guy like that then that would be deemed a Utah replacement, right? Sure. And and now you just move on uh, and address other aspects of the roster. So if they were to go for a guard and put themselves in the mix for, you know, sometimes with the mid-level, we think of one guy, but it's like, okay, maybe maybe you can go get uh, two, right? Sure. Can you work in a Gary Harris plus someone else? within that room right and now you're addressing some of the guard depth and whatnot right uh and if it's one person in that guard spot maybe it's a guy like tyus jones uh so i think that's gonna have a big say in what happens with utah watanabe Mm -hmm. where if they say you know the wing situation is the wing situation we can kick that can down the line we need to fix the guards we need to fix uh the big situation um then I think there's more of an avenue. But if you get one more of those, you know, positionally flexible dudes that maybe offers more shooting, um, then he's got a problem. Yeah, I think, you know, whatever happens, I don't think Utah is priority number one going into this offseason. And we've talked about the sort of like $21 million they have to keep their own guys with with Thad and Boucher trying to sort of spread that around. And if you wanted to spread a couple million to Utah, great. But if that cuts into your ability to keep Thad or Boucher, then sorry, Utah. Like, I don't think it's going to fit in. Um, And, you know, it sucks because, like, vibes-wise, would love to have Utah around forever. He seems like the best dude. He's super happy for his teammates. He's a great bench celebrator and all of that. But ultimately, I, I think it might come down to... You know, what does it take to keep both Thad and Boucher? You know, if Thad even wants to stay, maybe Thad wants to go to Chicago or whatever, um, where he's had some success before. But, you know, if you're trying to keep both of those guys, Utah might be the guy that gets squeezed out there. But, you know, it's not like it's going to take a lot probably to keep Utah around, probably another minimum deal or something like that, because he hasn't done a ton to sort of prove he's worth uh, you know, a big time investment just yet, but maybe he also himself wants to kind of bet on, Hey, give me one more year of a minimum and maybe I can figure this thing out and make myself some money. Something along those lines, you know, it's not going to be super prohibitive the cost, but keeping in mind that, you know, you have the tax considerations and all of that, um, you know, it could be just sort of a, a casualty of, of the sort of math that goes into the off season, but we'll see. I, I would like to see him back if nothing more than for the bench celebrations and the odd time that he, uh, but both dunks on someone and gets dunked on because he seems to embrace the getting dunked on part of it quite a bit as well. Uh, it's a, it's a fun little character trait of his. Uh, we're going to continue on here, round it out and talk about Sfima Hailuk, who had some promise in the preseason and then never really lived up to it during the regular season. Of course, 
he had a lot of other stuff going on, I'm sure, uh, to worry about in the back part of the season as well. We'll get to Sfima Hiluk in just one second. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar, who are making the best-tasting protein bars you can find. And, man, they got a new flavor that you got to try out. I am not a person who likes marshmallow typically, but I am even uh, Built Bar puff-pilled, baby. Imagine dipping your finger into that plastic tub of birthday cake frosting and then opening your eyes and realizing it was only 150 calories with 16 grams of protein. That's what it's like to eat a birthday cake puff from built it's delicious it is as sweet a tasting confection as they have and yet you're still nowhere near the amount of crap you're putting into your body if you're having a typical candy bar or some sort of marshmallowy treat because marshmallows in the real world outside of the built world are not good for you built puffs however have found a way to make them good for you and to taste great and the birthday cake puffs are available right now and probably won't be available for very long. These are limited time flavor. you got to get on there right now, get yourself the flavor. And if you buy them, they might keep them around for longer because more people have purchased them. So go get yourself some birthday cake puffs from Built.com. Again, I do not like marshmallow 95% of the time, but having a birthday cake puff or any of their puffs really are, is a really nice treat. Go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. That's the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Go get yourself some birthday cake puffs. And today's show is brought to you by our pals over at rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. And when they do have that part in, in store, it's only going to be one of them, and they're going to charge you full freight for it with no option for any sort of different brands or specifications or prices. No worries, rockauto.com is here for you. You can just go to their very easy-to-use website, so easy that me, a big car dum-dum, can use very easily. Go check it out, and you will get all of the parts that you need for your car all nice and itemized and with different you know specifications brands and prices that you can choose between they got everything you need from the important stuff like brake parts very important stuff like brake parts or the more aesthetic stuff like new carpets because sometimes after the winter you got to replace those carpets they're all salty and gross go get your, your new carpets over at rockauto.com you're going to pay less than you will at your local chain store or mechanic Go and check them out today, and uh, they're at right, right at rockauto.com. You can see all the parts available for your car, truck, and right locked on, and they're how you hear about us box. And they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you will ever need at rockauto.com. And we round out today's show with a look at Svi Mihailuk, who in the preseason, Vivek, looked like he was going to be an absolute steal for the Toronto Raptors. I was tweeting Oklahoma City Thunder slander during the preseason. Look, I want to do that all, all the time. Um, but, you know, I, I, was, I was getting out there with the, wow, the Thunder just going to lose so many role players as they continue to cycle through roster churn. Uh, as it turns out, Sfee did not have himself an excellent season in Toronto. He played just 56 games, started five of them, 12.8 minutes a game, 4.6 points, 1.6 boards, uh, 0.8 assists. He shot 30.6% from three-point range. Uh, not what you want, Big V. Uh, it was kind of a disappointing year for a guy who looked like he would be exactly what the Raptors needed, right? A little extra ball handling juice, some three-point acumen. You know, the three-point shooting coming into the season was always a little bit uncertain because he'd kind of had big oscillations in his career prior. Um, but you thought, hey, maybe playing alongside good players, not Oklahoma City Thunder or Detroit Pistons players, maybe that helps, makes his look easier, makes his looks easier. 
didn't quite play out that way. What went wrong, do you think, with this FEMA Heilig experiment this season? And I guess looking ahead to next year, he has a player option for next season. I would imagine he's going to pick it up based on the year he just had. So is there any way to sort of see more out of Svi going into next season? Do you think he'll even be back? I mean, he's got the player option, so I imagine he'll pick that up and mm-hmm. uh, he will return. But I think what went wrong was that he couldn't provide the outside shooting. And again, yeah. another theoretical guy that would figure into the rotation if he could do that. Um, his best moment was probably that game in Indiana mm-hmm. where he kind of gave you exactly what you needed. Um, obviously, we talk about you know Scotty's free throws and the big night that he had but i think svi was a contributor that night and that was probably as good as it got for svi and you look at the preseason i remember watching and thinking wow this guy's got more pop off the bounce than i imagined mm-hmm. um and he was knocking down the three ball and you're thinking hey like there's a need for him and so when you look at what happened in the regular season now i'm looking back and saying okay can we actually look at this guy as a shooter anymore mm-hmm. because it's one thing to knock down corner three shots when i look at his breakdown over the last few seasons 2019 20 was the last time he shot really well from non corner right right he was at 39 percent. the 2021 season in 35 games with detroit he was 33 percent on non-corner threes. Mm-hmm. 30 games with OKC, 30%. 46 games with the Raptors, 26%. Yeah. So the 40%, 38% from non-corner, uh, from the corner, that's nice. But on this team, to make an impact, those kickouts, those deep shots that you're taking, you have to be a volume guy. Like, he needed those nights where he's just going to come in and bang four or five threes. And it's like, whoa. And that right. never happened. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, he's a theoretical shooter with the best of them, right? That's kind of the thing, right? It's like, it looks good. Like the stroke looks fine. You'll see yeah. moments where, you know, he knocks one down and it's like, all right, maybe this is going to turn the corner. And the corner just never turned. Of course, famously, never hit more than two threes in a game all season long. Um, shout you know, out Alex Wong. <laughs> shout out Alex Wong, of course. Uh, you know, just uh, a pretty tough go for him. And yeah, he had three games in the first couple weeks of the season around that Indiana game, uh, like three consecutive games, 16, 15, and 15 against the Pacers, Wizards, and Knicks, all in wins. And that was really the high watermark for him all season long. So, yeah, I I mean, look, if the Raptors don't want him back next season, there are ways to move off of him. It's not a huge contract. You know, they could probably just cut him and take the hit or whatever. That would cut into their money they have and flexibility for next season, of course. But, um, you know, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion. He's back based on the performance, even though he has that player option. But, you know, if he's your 15th man next year, you could probably do worse. You could do better, I guess. But, like... I guess at this point, when you're kind of getting this deep into the roster, we make a lot 
every preseason, every, you know, kind of offseason sort of analyzing every single roster spot. In the grand scheme, there's probably 12 or 13 roster spots that are actually going to matter to you. So if, if one of them is being occupied by Sfima Hailuk, yes, that takes away opportunity from somebody else perhaps, but, um, you know, they have a couple of guys in the in the pipeline that they can probably, you know, keep around on two ways or whatever it might be uh, to sort of spread it all around. And, and I think it's it's very plausible he's back next year and maybe he has a better season maybe he pops maybe he becomes a nice 11th man or something like that i wouldn't put crazy expectation on him um and look it, it also can't be understated the back part of the season i'm sure for him was like a complete sort of uh personal hell right with the uh, the war in ukraine and everything going on um you know hopefully everything's good on his end hopefully his family and things like that are, are all taken care of and and that's you know obviously a much bigger picture concern than this three-point shooting but it probably has to be baked into the evaluation of the season as well even though he didn't play a ton during that time um you know I, I can't imagine you know that his mind was on basketball more or less for you know the entire lead up to everything because it's not like the war happened out of nowhere like that was a thing that was building towards something for quite a time quite a long time so um you know, certainly have to exercise some compassion and empathy for Sfi in this case. And I don't think anyone's really blaming him for not having a huge season. But, um, you know, certainly not what the Raptors needed from that spot. And not what it looked like they might get in the preseason when he looked like he might have a little bit of juice to him. Um, that feels like a good place to leave it off for today. We, are we now can done quickly shout out. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say we can quickly shout out the 40 uh, piece he dropped in the G League with the seven threes. Hell yeah. That was, that, that, that was, that was a fun moment for Love him. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, nice guy to have around. We'll, we'll see next season, of course. But again, I don't think it's something to lose sleep over. If he's still on the team next year, uh, he's got the player option. The Raptors gave it to him. So they'll have to uh, you know, go forward with that in their books one way or another. With that, we will leave it there, and uh, that concludes our player review series. Again, sorry I don't have in-depth takes on uh, Justin Champagny just yet. I mean, we, we'll talk about him at length, but um, you know, I, I have lots of high praise for him, but it was a pretty short sample with the Raptors this season, so probably not worth a whole episode. Uh, David Johnson, Isaac Bonga, you know, et cetera, et cetera. We'll, we'll get to those guys um, you know, at, at certain points if they're back with the team or whatever it might be, but probably don't need a full review on their seasons, and so we will now continue on with off-season mode, baby. Coming up on Friday's episode, our pal Lewis Atzman is going to stop by. We're just going to sort of plot out the ideal Toronto Raptors off-season. Uh, we've also got our over-unders spectacular conclusion episode with Vivek and Sahal at some point soon here. Once they release the damn uh, All-NBA and All-Defense, we'll have the awards picture clear, and we can go ahead and uh, and see who did badly at picking over-unders. Probably me. Uh, <laughs> so we got that coming up as well. TBD on tomorrow's podcast, kind of waiting on standby to see what the hell the deal is with the All-NBA and All-Defense before you plan anything out too, too crazy. But uh, either way, it's been a good show. Vivek, thanks for hanging around. Anything you would like to promote? Uh, yes. I, in fact, uh, you know, there's the usual stuff at Raptors.com and CBC Sports. Uh, mm -hmm. I had a recent story for Raptors.com on just like the three-point shooting weakness and more so how it can be addressed and if even if the majority of it is going to be internal uh yeah. i think there is uh like significant gains to be made or at least notable enough where it is a viable uh means to winning ball games sure uh, and so uh that's up on raptors.com you can check that out but also uh very excited to now be able to say that slam canada is launching uh 
and you can pick up copies beginning Friday. And I was lucky enough to do uh, one of the cover stories. Hell they yeah. Three, they have three different covers. Uh, and I did a story on Steve Nash. Outstanding. Hell yeah. Very happy. I can't wait to read that. Everyone go pick up Slam Canada, baby. Um, that's awesome. Congrats, man. That's wonderful news. Uh, with that, yeah, we will uh, round it up there. You can find me, of course, every day on this here podcast. Subscribe on YouTube and all of your favorite podcast apps. I was also on the Confederacy of Dunks podcast with our pal Fer- Freddie Revis on, uh, I think it came out today. So go check that out over on the Rappers Republic feed. And uh, CBL stuff. Keep an eye out. CBL stuff is coming up soon. I'll be chatting with you tomorrow for CBC about the CBL season coming up. And then uh, big things happening starting next week as well with the Canadian Elite basketball league which is a ton of fun it has lots of very cool players in it in this year including raptors 905 legend dang adele oh my goodness unbelievable uh and uh and some others as well it should be a good time uh so thank you we'll talk to you again on thursday topic tbd friday we got the offseason uh, ideal offseason plotted out with lewis Zatzman, but tomorrow we'll figure it out based on whether they just announced these damn awards already and uh we'll go from there thank you so much for tuning in talk to you thursday bye-bye Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.